0: What a scream! What a screamer! And a fantastic goal! Arsenal back in it! And here's Limpa, lines it up, finds the net. Arsenal
1: in front. Podcasters in dismay and struggling to come up with reaction. As football this weekend was, it says here, quite excellent. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, Chelsea had to go 120 minutes, implode. Keppa won't leave the nets. Sorry's going crazy. Caballero looks like he wants to kill someone, and they wind up losing anyway. Uh, United and Liverpool play out a bore, scoreless draw where everybody for United left injured in the first half. Spurs lost quite hilariously to Burnley with Pochettino going nuts at Mike Dean and we won comfortably. It is literally the platonic ideal of a football weekend minus the fact that we're chasing fourth place instead of a title. But it was pretty fucking excellent and if you can't get excited about that then maybe this isn't the sport for you. You don't get much better than Arsenal winning comfortably and a ton of Freud going down at the same time. So... Enjoy it. Soak it up. It's good stuff. Paul's here. He's on Twitter. Pause to my pants. Hello, pause.
2: Platonic indeed. I didn't get to have any sex this weekend.
1: Well, maybe the first thing you need to do is sign up for The Enclosed. We can tell you more about that down the road. Tim's here. You can find him Hello. on Twitter, at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Uh, the only reason is not the platonic ideal uh, of a footballing weekend is there's no Clive on this podcast. So for the six of you left, we are going to talk uh, about the Arsenal and what was, uh, I thought, a quite satisfactory 2-0 victory. Um, Tim, I'll start with you. I think, you know, the the there are a lot of people that are kind of just fed up with the back three and mm-hmm. feel that it has been the cause of all our misery and despair, that it is and emblematic. I blame
2: Tim for that.
1: Yeah, it's Tim's fault. Uh, that is <laughs> emblematic of the conservatism of the coach, but whatever the agenda or narrative associated with it, the back three has kind of become public enemy number one, and it was ditched, and we went with the back four, And I have to admit, we looked pretty darn good. And I thought the selection Mm. reflected all the things that I felt we didn't really have early in the season, an understanding of rotating. We have three games in the league this week. We have the Europa League coming back. Lacazette can't play in the Europa League, so he was picked this week. Just kind of felt like a savvy, smooth uh, selection. I mean, was this the first time all season where you kind of looked at all the choices and everything that happened, how things clicked into place and the rotation, and you just said, sure, this feels like how the club should be run and how we should be doing (laughs) it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I felt um, in the way we played in the first half, this was the first time in a little while where I, I kind of remembered what Emery Ball is or are like very early kind of um, estimations of it. This was a little bit more like. What we were playing earlier in the season, um, and and you know, albeit it wasn't it wasn't always brilliant, and it wasn't always, but you know that four-two-three-one, he's I I think basically what you saw in this game was who Emery's guys are, you know, um, it was Owobi and Mkhitaryan, um Ramsey kind of doing that high press number ten, um, and you've got Lacazette up front, and Arsenal obviously set up a little bit for the high press. So did Southampton, which actually played into Arsenal's hands. They did that Mm -hmm. playing it around the back and sucking them in and then going over the top and and finding room. And, you know, and and I think um, I think you just saw uh, maybe with the slight exception of Gendouzi, who's clearly one of, you know, Emery's guys. This was very much um, I think we got kind of Emery's vision a little bit more for how he likes to set up and the players that are best placed to do it whereas um you know Ozil and maybe even Aubameyang who's who's a great goal scorer but doesn't necessarily slot into the team per se because all he really does is take shots at goal so instead you had what I think was close to um Emery's best unit um and again that doesn't mean his 11 best players that just means the players best suited to what he wants to do and um some of the football we saw in the in the first half it, well, I, I said to the guys I go with at half time I was like this this is the first time I've enjoyed watching Arsenal in quite a long time mm-hmm. and you know the the Chelsea game was I think tactically very well thought out I still think if Chelsea had a half-decent striker at that point, maybe if they had Higuain, uh, that game might have played out differently. But still, the plan was good and we executed it against Spurs. You know, look, everyone enjoys a victory over Spurs, but that was genuinely exhilarating because we played in two different ways. You know, in the first half an hour, we went after them, we pressed high. And then in the last half an hour, we bought on Ramsey and Lacazette, did that split striker thing and kind of pulled Tottenham apart. But this was the first time we'd kind of beaten up on one of the little guys, I think, since Fulham away, um, maybe back in October when we beat them 5-1. This felt like the first time, you know, we we really saw something we've lost for the last few months, which was, oh, yeah, this, this is, I remember this. This was kind of how it looked like we were at least trying to play at the beginning of the season. Um yeah and and that was that was in, incredibly pleasing and that that first half particularly the last kind of 15 minutes of the half I I thought we played some of the best football we played this season.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I totally agree. So let me just follow up with you for one second Tim. I mean I have kind of thought that Emery's football has looked best and his his tactical preparations approaches look best in the big games and mm-hmm. fairly drab and and poor in some of the small games. Now in a big game even if you look good we don't have the best team in the world. You're still going to lose your fair share of those games, even if you look better. Um, do you think the fact that we played a team that wanted to come out and press and give us passing lanes to play around the press and allow us to build the play the way he wants to, and you know, really did give us those options on on, on the wings to to get into space and mm. create attacks, sort of in the way that we're set up to do it? Do you think this was sort of the first time we've seen? I, I guess the best way I could say it is his his sort of big game approach work against a smaller team because yeah. the smaller team played the way the bigger teams tend to
0: yeah yeah absolutely and we've heard a lot of uh, you know I, I don't know for myself from my own eyes but certainly that was one of the things i'd read about harsen hudel um you know when he came here that he had that very kind of high press approach and and it looked like we were ready for it um this time and and yeah absolutely and you saw you know i think leno had his best game in a while um and that's because he's a very and and i think some of that came from the fact that he's his distribution is very useful um in games like this i know um i know some people have kind of had some qualms about him going long quite a lot because they'd heard about what a good passer he was and things like that but actually i i think he always pretty much always makes good decisions with the ball and sometimes like he doesn't always have to go short or to the fullback or to the centre half. Sometimes the good decision is to go long. And particularly if you're trying to suck opponents in, um, I, I think he's pretty judicious uh with the ball at his feet. And I think you got the best performance from him for a while, we got the best performance from Kalasanac for a while, who also actually defended um on this occasion. Um you know, Xhaka and Torreira were together for the first time in a little while. And, you know, you've got Xhaka playing really well, progressing the ball. And, yeah, we just we just had... Southampton kind of played into our hands a little bit because we were able... We had that exit strategy. We were able to go, right, ball to Xhaka. Xhaka's got Iwobi and Mikatarian in those half spaces. We've got the full-backs overlapping. Um, we've got Lacazette working hard up front. And, and it was all... Um, it, it, it all kind of went to what I assume was the plan. And it's probably not a huge coincidence that um, the second half tailed off a little bit for a number of reasons, which I'm sure we'll go into. But I think one of them was funnily enough, losing Licksteiner um, and not having a natural right back. I, I think that disrupted us um, a little bit when Mustafi moved to right back. So um, yeah, I, I think basically Emery's chalkboard came to life in this game.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, and I agree. And and so, Paul, one thing that kind of struck me is that the stars of this game, uh, Lionel uh, uh sorry, I, I believe it's Sad Messi. I mean, sorry, Sad Um And then uh, 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 Wobi who was excellent, Mkhitaryan, Licksteiner, I think deserves credit for a good game, given that we kill him a lot for having bad games. I'm curious, in your mind, I- is this also a reflection of Hassan Hill getting it wrong in the first half? And again, not, not that we didn't get it right, but that... You know the the back three allows you to be more compact through the middle of the defense, but those wing backs like to get up the pitch, and that means that there's vulnerability and space where we want to get it into the channels. You know, into the into that um, the wings playing the overlaps, and I, I thought the spaces vacated by the wing backs gave us a lot of joy down those sides. So good performances from our wide players. Do you think it was heavily influenced by his first half choice of a back three uh, from yeah, Hassan? sure, Hunter,
2: obviously, sure. Yeah, Uh I'm sure looking back on it, he'd have done it differently if he got a second chance at it. But uh as as I think a number of people have alluded to, this game could have had a very de- different uh, path. I mean, you got to think we were going to win this one way or another, but you never know. I mean, they certainly they had the best first chance that that. uh quick ball over the top to Nathan Redmonds. I mean, I had to look at that two or three times. I was convinced he was off by five yards, but he wasn't. Um, and they sprung that trap on us and they had another excellent, uh, that was a great burnt Leno block with his body. Uh, they had another excellent opportunity minutes later. Um, and we kind of converted both of those transitions. Uh, the first one very quickly and the, uh, very quickly after their second opportunity, we got our second goal. We had two goals by, I think it was 17 minutes. Um, so it was kind of it was kind a shootout at the OK Corral, of lasting 90 minutes. But shootouts only take a few minutes. So anything could have happened in those first few minutes. I think he gambled, and it might have paid off. Um, what I thought was very interesting, I'm glad he played the way he did for two reasons. Um, one, the result, but two as you alluded to, it allowed us to play uh, what I think we thought was Emery ball at the start of the season. And halfway through the season, we nobody could conclude what Emery ball was or whether they wanted to watch it. But the high-risk living on the bleeding edge, playing out from the back was exhilarating. Um, I don't know if we actually always got it right, but that's kind of the point of playing out from the back uh, at times. You, you live on the edge, you pull them in. Um, I thought in particular what gave me heart was Chaka looked like he had fast feet, for forty, especially for the first 45 minutes. I mean, there was the one ball across the midfield, which was uh, a brain fart moment. But if you ignore that... and well, I the, the only thing about
1: ignoring that, Paul, that I will say is he's just got to get that out of his game. I, you could say, well, every player makes mistakes. He makes those kind of suicidal mistakes too frequently. And again, I'm not trying to kill him. I'm just saying... That's a pass you can't make. I mean, that, that can cost yeah. you the game in a, in a game where a goal can can be yeah, yeah. the difference,
2: you know? Yeah, yeah, but ignoring that. Yeah, no, please do. Go ahead. <laughs> ignoring that. He was bloody brilliant. Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, and, and I don't just really mean fantastic. his passing and and his string pulling. He was quick. Now, part it's not all down to him. Uh, him and Torreira on a good day is a great pairing, but just how we moved it, the ball across the back i i hammered mustafi for his distribution a couple of games ago especially his long balls um he was really good pinging the ball around upfield uh they all were and i mean this was a defensive action um and then on the other end you know i've been bitching for a while that we don't press and i've gotten used to it at this stage obviously it's a scheme we only when he pressed the big guys but this was exhilarating seeing the upfront press i mean that's where the goals mostly came from, or the second goal, certainly. Uh, the first goal was just playing out from the back on the edge, knocking it around. And as Tim said, this was the most fun we've had in a long time, and it's not even close. Um, it was great, just great. And, and and I liked the fact that they packed the midfield so that they pressed us, and they pressed our midfield, and we handled it, and we played through it, and we knocked it about Um it was. It's the kind of thing that gives you heart. Uh, we've been in and around fourth place for a while now, but I haven't felt that we actually had the wherewithal to make top four. Now this is just one game, but you come out of that feeling pretty good at at the end of the weekend, not just because of where we're at or or the win or the other guys losing, but you saw enough in that, uh, and I, I think we're. It, it was such a performance that you wonder why did we all think. Why were we so enthused and encouraged that we moved to a back three at one point? I mean, you can kind of pick through the reasons, but there don't seem like enough of them to say to yourself, why would we move away from playing from the the structure and the way we can play? Well, I, I think some of that was just... Because when you look yeah. at... Go ahead. Yeah. Man, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, you know, there's a lot of personnel stuff in there, but we've still got a lot of injuries now, and yet we've strung together a team... Uh, where we have some good options now and hopefully good options coming off the bench going forward. It was very heartening see, to see Mesut Ozil come on and really contribute. Mm-hmm. And and in some ways, okay, the second half wasn't as good, but in some ways uh, there were, it had its own gems that matched the first half, largely uh, centering around Ozil. So a lot to enjoy there.
1: Cl- Clive would be proud of how comprehensive
2: that response was, Paul. It was Thank
1: you. detailed spanning many important topics, I feel, uh, educated, uh, taken
2: to school uh, when by that. You considered that I went out of my way to ignore the Chaka topic.
1: Yeah, it was well, perfect. You pretty much nailed nailed all. Uh, so Clive, uh, Clive's on Twitter at positive my pants. Um, so, <laughs> well, look, there's, and the thing with Shaka, Tim, you know, I wonder if, if he didn't really sort of benefit from the way the opposition set up a little, and, and you can kind of see why he works so well in an Emory system, because I think his strongest passing is that sort of around-the-corner, line-breaking pass out to the wing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The way he yeah. bends the ball around the opposition midfield into Iwobi or into Kolasinac, Um, You know, he really zips the ball in like that. The way he likes, likes to spray his pass passes. He, If you notice, he doesn't really pass vertically, like through the middle third of the pitch, you know, no, he, no. he, he passes out to the wings really well. And so he was finding a and and Kolasinac and, and they were overlapping well and they were doing the job. So for me, I mean, that was really good. Look, I thought the goal, our goal came at a really inopportune time, ironically, because the goal came so soon after their chance that I didn't have the chance to write my tweet about Mustafi. And I, <laughs> I felt that that was a real miss, but, um, Let's talk about how that goal developed. I mean, first of all, I, I read a lot that people aren't convinced by Leno, and I'm not sure why not. I mean, okay, I, I don't think he's Ederson. I don't think he's De Gea necessarily, but he was brilliant in this game. I mean, he, he made some very important saves when they needed to be made. I thought his distribution was mostly good. Can you put your finger on anything that's particularly concerning about Leno, which is why people are still not sure about him? How do you feel? I mean, obviously, he was good in this game. How do you feel about him in general?
0: So I um I... I- I think a lot of people feel kind of like I feel, which is that he's good. He's a good goalkeeper. Um, I I can't really point to many goals this season, maybe one or two, um, which, which I think, you know, most goalkeepers will go through where you think, Oh, that was, that was a mistake. Like he, he hasn't like lobbed the ball in his own yet in his own net. yet, Which is all fine. Um, I, I don't get the sense that he's a really top goalkeeper. um, but that's just probably what happens when you spend two years in the Europa League and you've got an aging goalkeeper and you've got to replace him you've you've kind of got to go with you know go with a fairly youngish guy who you think's going to have some upside but what what I do think is I I mean his his distribution like I said earlier like I, I think has always been very good whether he goes short or long I think he tends to make the right decision um and you know, just just compare and contrast to when Czech comes back in and that ball rolls back to him and how it makes you feel, and how it makes the opposition feel because they they really sense they can get something. Whereas with Leno, um, you know, no no one really presses him. Um, mm. They understand that that's not going to work. He's pretty unflappable. Um, in t- in terms of his actual goalkeeping, uh, you know, he's he's got areas of improvement. I think coming out for crosses for example coming out for corners i still think he's a bit unconvincing but for a goalkeeper he's he's still at a nice age and that can all improve so uh, in truth yeah like we've we've had we've had worse goalkeepers (laughs) we don't need to name them um i I think he's a bit seven out of ten which which is fine like with um what we've got to do in the squad that this you know this isn't um I'm fine enough with him that this isn't like a priority area to look to upgrade. He's in that little group of players. I think, um, maybe like Xhaka, um, and players like that, who, who you kind of think, well, look, we got a job to do to get back in the champions league for one, two, three seasons. And if, and when we do that, then you look at guys like that and say, well, is this the guy that takes us to that next level, which is challenging for the league? Um, and, but you know, all, all of those guys, are you know like Iwobi, Jaka, Leno they're all at a good age where we don't have to make rush judgments on them it's going to take a little while to get back to where we want to be so they've got time to prove themselves so you know hopefully in two to three years we're back in the top four things are things are quite nice we're looking at going to the next level and you know if if they're still at the same level Maybe you take some of those calls, but I don't think Leno's unconvincing per se. I I just think people aren't convinced that he's going to be a you know a really top draw goalkeeper, and I probably share that reservation at the moment, but remain totally open minded.
1: Yeah, I I guess I certainly don't see him as being someone who's restricting our ability to achieve what this team can realistically achieve in its current iteration.
0: And he doesn't. He he's not making anyone nervous, is he? He's not no. like I, I don't look at it and think, oh, he's he's probably got a rick in him today. Like no. I don't I don't I don't feel like that. I I just maybe feel that some of the saves that the likes of Alisson and Edison and and uh, De Gea are capable of, I you know, I'm not sure he's quite at that level. But I, I don't you know, I don't think I don't shit myself when the ball goes near him.
1: See, what I will say is, I think Edison changes games with his feet. In a demonstrable yep. way. I mean, there there was yep. a pass at the end of the Carabao Cup where he just kicked, he dribbled it to about thirty yards out of his goal, yeah, yeah. and then pinged it right onto the foot of was it Aguero? All the way down was in extra time. I I, th-
0: I think it was. Yeah, he dropped it on the edge yeah, of the area. It was just yeah. incredible,
1: and he he does that a lot. And it's so whether he goes long, it's accurate. He goes short, it's accurate. He's comfortable on the ball. I watched Neuer, for example, really control the game and and essentially undermine Liverpool's pressing tactics. Uh, in the first leg of that Champions League tie, because they could go back to him with that confidence. And I think a keeper who is good with his feet means you don't have to lose a possession. And that that is very valuable. As far as saving shots, would I like an octopus like De Gea? Of course. But my qualification for a goalkeeper, I think, Tim, is to say, don't let in ones you shouldn't let in. You know what I mean? Don't lose me the game dropping a around yeah, yeah. as you said and and i certainly yeah. don't think leno does that i want to come back to you with another question tim but i know uh paul had 30 seconds he claims on leno <laughs> <laughs>
2: paul so uh yeah i think that's all good stuff uh, and agree with all that the one category i'd say he's 10 out of 10 on is that he really suits our style uh he really uh, and that's the the if you like the emery ball style so he's a guy who can play the ball super quick uh very confident with the ball at his feet, likes being on the bleeding edge, and uh, he's got the right mentality. And if he can add handling crosses, handling more of the English game in, in over the next season or two, maybe he'll go from being, say, 7 out of 10 as a general goalkeeper to 8, 8 and a bit. Maybe he's got some growth in him. Um, you know, there are some saves that a Peter Cech even will make that Leno won't at the moment. Uh, and some balls he'll come from, from that might turn into goals. that check would come for, um, but I think overall, uh, he's just he's pretty perfect for the style. Even if he's not a ten out of ten ability keeper, he's a ten out of ten match for how we want to be playing.
1: Yeah, I, I certainly think he fits the style. If not, you know, flawless in terms of his quality, I certainly think he's he's yeah. much more the profile keeper than check was. Tim, the um. You know, the game was decided, I think, in large part due to our ability to break their press and, and create those overloads on the wings. And there, it's been a meme this season, I think, that, oh, we just want to overload the wings and cut it back, ha, ha, ha. But, like, mm. it is an effective strategy, and City actually use it quite a bit. And we've talked about this ad, mm. ad nauseum about how maybe we just lack the right personnel for it. But what I want to focus on is playing with one up top instead of two up top. You know, sometimes mm. we play with two up top, but one of them drifts wide. And I don't think either Oba or Laka... Uh, are as accomplished as Mkhitaryan and Iwobi in those in those half spaces and on Night. the wings. Um, not that either of them are necessarily naturally wingers. So I feel that we have more balance with one up top. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this game was sort of the clearest sense of that because we created challenges not purely down the left, but down the right as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some of the reason we've been lopsided mm-hmm. is also related to the lack of Bellerin and not having a fullback on the right who can really Overlap And and Mkhitaryan's absence when we didn't have anyone to play in his role. But do you see Emery going forward, not only playing a back four, but increasingly choosing one of Lacazette and Aubameyang based on sort of the Mm. just the, the greater balance and diversification of our of our attacking style with with two more naturally wide players on the pitch?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I really do, and um, like you know, like I said earlier, when I I said I I saw this as uh how like how Emery wants to play. I think having one up front is part of that, um, and I think so. I think uh, Lacazette and Abamyang works together if they've got Ramsey coming in behind them, which is possibly slightly more offensive than emery wants to be but you know that that works well when we play the diamond it worked well against chelsea it worked well in the second half against spurs but yeah now he's got mkhitaryan back now he's got dennis suarez he's got more options um for those for those kind of wide forward areas and we know he really wants to play with those kind of inside forwards that's that's how he was at psg and that's how he started the season here, And he only really went away from that when Mikatarian got injured. so um and and, you know we we in a sense, pushed the boat out to get Dennis Suarez, and it's obvious because that's the type of player he wants um so yeah i i absolutely do and I, I think um that's quite a smart way of handling things as well in terms of you know we've only got two strikers for the rest of the season we got to look after them and particularly if we're going to get into the thick of the europa league now the games are going to come really really thick and fast we can rotate those two we can um, bring one as a, one on as a sub one week one the next week we can change it up um, I think both of them um, can play, you know, in in that kind of behind two wide forwards. I think it suits either of them. Maybe if you're doing what we did to Southampton, which was a bit of a high press, yeah, absolutely. Lacazette with Ramsey behind him. If you want to play a high press, if you don't, then yeah, maybe you can go Özil and Aubameyang, or you can mix, you can mix and match those players. We, we all know our our attack is. In one hand, on one hand, it's where our strength is because it's where the biggest concentration of talent in the squad is, and on the other hand, it's our big weakness because it's very difficult to balance. And I think we kind of said at the beginning of the season when we were talking about Ramsey, when Ramsey started to become a rotation option, that actually felt like that was a, a fairly smart way of handling it, um, of of kind of rotating these mm. players around. And yeah, and and I think like the suspension to Lacazette gives. Perhaps gives Emery the, uh, for want of a better word, excuse he needs to perhaps not start Aubameyang, um in these games. He's not scored for three or four games now. So, you know, that that gives him his reason um, to do that. And, you know, Lacazette scores a goal and obviously goes and runs over to his mate Aubameyang. So um, maybe he can kind of use that friendship and that partnership that they certainly have off the pitch. Um, to his advantage a bit and they can be happy for each other and Aubameyang still tried to tee Lacazette up for a goal in the second half um, so you know maybe, maybe that can um, increase their well-being levels in terms of seeing one another, one another play um, but yeah I I, I think um, for most of the rest of the season uh, give you know assuming that the likes of Mikatari and Suarez stay fit I, I do think that's what we'll see
1: Suarez um that doesn't ring a bell. Who who's who's that? Swart. It
0: will soon enough. It will soon enough.
1: I will wager that it will not. But we we we'll come to that. <laughs> Let's come to that later. Um well, before we take a break, uh Paul, I think you know, you you look at this and another thing that we talked about after Huddersfield is just the the inaccuracy of passing, the the lack of precision and and technical security on the ball that we've been seeing uh especially since You know, Kolasinac has been playing, and and without Bellerin. In the Huddersfield game, Kolasinac passed at 50%. Iwobi was about 60-something percent. And so when they put us under pressure, we were giving the ball away by not completing passes, turning possession over. And when you don't have consistent periods of possession, especially getting around the press, it's hard to create chances. And in this game... Both Kolasinac and wobi were passing around 83 84%. Now, that's a very simplistic statistical way to look at things, uh, which is exactly the level I want to stay on, so we'll stay there. No. Um, I, I just think that we ping the ball around a little more in this game. You know, the first half, we created more openings because we played out from the back more um, accurately, more consistently, more um, with more technical security. And I, I don't think that that can be overstated. I also think that Genduzi playing is great, but he likes to pass the ball up the middle of the pitch. He likes to split the defense. He likes to play long. And Shaq will just pick his head up, put it on his left, and ping it out to those, you know, those the, the left winger or the left fullback. And that's not necessarily how Ganduzi likes to do it. So do you think a big chunk of our effectiveness in that first half can also just be put down to players playing football better, passing to each other more accurately, being, you know, a little more precise in their actions?
2: look it's very hard to put your finger on it uh why we were so much better in terms of play i mean you, i'd be i tend to lean on hey if you're playing out from the back that means you stretch them out as you play it up through midfield uh, and i'm sure that was a factor of it P- finding people in space being able to progress being on the fr- front foot maybe having them on the back foot so that uh you have a little more space when you run at them but Yet there were other times, I mean, you can think of various uh, patches of play where we had Iwobian and and, uh, Kolasinac fairly static uh, and them in fairly good positions, and yet all of our triangles came off. Just really quick footwork, Mm -hmm. um, really precise, really accurate, and it defies a simple reason as to why (laughs) all the passes... Uh, for large periods of the first half, found their man just where they should at really rapid speed. Everything came off, um, and I don't think there's a good answer for that. I mean, we're we were at home, we were we were on the front foot, we were feeling good, uh, we had the wind behind us, but but really we were just it, we were just clicking on the day. And some days it's your days your day, and some day it's not, and and some days you you chase the bear, some t- days the bear chases you, and we had a good day.
1: Yeah, and I think the the danger is when this happens, it's to think that that is then what's going to happen going forward. I mean, will Colosinatch pass at 84% going forward? I It's unlikely, because historically he has not. Um, but, you know, if you yeah. look at the pass map in the first half, you see a lot of those short successful completed passes in the defensive and middle third in the areas where shaka awobi and colossi were, and you know we got around them and played out that way and i i think that that you you look at that and you say look if those passes are not completed those moves break down the possession breaks down it doesn't mean that southampton necessarily hurts you but it certainly means that you can't push them back and sustain pressure and and create those opportunities so yeah,
2: and when you look at those and you look at those passes, I mean, the, those were passes under pressure. I mean, they had the two wing backs pushed up, they had three in mid free field, so they were there to press, and yet our passing was better, faster, crisper. Um, so it is kind of intriguing why we're just so good, especially on the left side. Uh, I thought obviously Mkhitaryan had a great day uh, with the goal, etc., but it was. In some ways, without the goal uh, and without us having a winning performance, you could be quite. This was another Mkhitaryan performance. One where he made plenty of mistakes. Plenty of passes went awry. What what you'd say beyond the goal is the Mkhitaryan-Awobi thing just works. The Mkhitaryan thing itself works. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the good days with Theo Walcott. The the two or three seasons where. Uh, he'd play and good things happened in his corner, even though he wasn't the world's most technically proficient player, even though half the shit he tried, he tripped over the ball. Um, it just worked as a factor. And, you know, I'm not comparing uh, Mkhitaryan's a very accomplished, skillful player, but he is very, he's kind of like Ramsey. It's, it's shit or bust. It's, he'll try a flick. He, he'll um hit it first time and just, hoped to blast it through. Um, a lot of the stuff he tried didn't work, come off, but the Mkhitaryan dynamic, especially with the Wobie on the other side, did work for us.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, you look at Colesina, it's 25 passes completed to a Wobie, and I think 18 to Shaka. Uh, you, you know, you look in that, just by way of comparison, you look in that uh, Huddersfield game and it was 18 to a Wobie, so fewer, but you know, still a decent amount. But after that, it was Monreal, three to Lacazette, two to Ganduzi who was ostensibly playing sort of the, uh, the Shaka role. And I just think combining for the short passes, the, the way Shaka made himself available and ran the midfield and fed it back to Kolasinac, I, I think that helped us play around Southampton and get into the attacking third. I, I saw interesting statistics today from Orbinio, uh on Twitter, who, who you know uh, has the Opta data, and Arsenal lead the league in percentage of passes in our defensive third and percentage mm. of passes in our half. And that's a problem, and I think a lot of that has been the sloppiness and inability to just build play from the back, and a lot of that's been down inaccurate passing. And I think we clean that up a lot. I mean, Tim, I don't want to. And I wonder if I do want to freeze you out of this conversation. I take it back. Yeah, go go ahead,
2: Paul. Yeah, (laughs) I was just wondering if Chaka isn't part isn't kind of a drug for that because he thrives in playing those balls from our third into theirs. Yeah, and, and he if. might be
1: on drugs at times, so I think, you know, yeah. the, the analogy holds up. Um, Tim, I, I do want to get your thoughts on this before we take a break. I mean, how how much of what ails us is just, you know, poor technical security, poor technique, you know, just a, I, I think the technical level in the squad is maybe a little low. I don't think that's, you know, being overly negative, and I thought mm-hmm. technically we were better against Southampton, and you could see the, the the difference almost immediately. I mean, is there something to be said for the fact that, you know when the players that you're trying to build play through are c- cleaner with the ball and and have a good technical game, you're going to play better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was um, like a 17 degree day in February um, in London, and and it kind of showed in the performance. Those those things were better. I I do think that some of that um, is possibly down to the fact that Southampton Southampton did elect to press high, and therefore left spaces. Um, so in fact at times they press so high that even jacker who's you know not exactly way up the pitch was getting time um to swing those to swing those passes out and uh the the way i've often kind of found myself describing uh the way we build play when when we play this way and on occasions when we played well it's like a v-shape um we have these kind of these connecting points that are really easy to see and you've kind of got jacker at the base of that and then you've got like iwobi and mkhitaryan uh slightly advanced and then when they get the ball you get the full backs up and you you kind of end up with that with that v-shape going and we got that a lot um and, and a big part of the reason we got that a lot is because like i said southampton's midfield was kind of it, it wasn't exactly camped back on the edge of their area um you know they were they were pressing high and i kind of think they signed their own death warrant by doing so um but but you're right yeah just it it could it could just be that people had a good day that the sun was shining um you know most of Xhaka's passes were coming off either i I've, I've not looked at the stats but i'm going to bet that uh, Kolasinac was better than usual. Yeah, eighty four percent for a
1: player who's you know been in yeah. the sixties for the last month or so.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you know what we got? Hey, presto! We got. Probably Stefan Lichtsteiner's best performance of the season yeah. before he went off, um, as well, because everything around him was functioning, and it was it was very obvious. It was oh, Mkhitaryan's got the ball, my turn to overlap, and yeah, he's not getting up there at 120 miles an hour, but he got up there. He put loads of crosses in, and he looked absolutely fine because you know the the team was kind of functioning and and yeah it could be we could play again on Wednesday night and Bournemouth could do the same thing as Southampton and we could be stodgy and we could misplace passes and things might not go as well but I I do think there's something to be said for the fact that Southampton played into our hands a little bit and that that helped us but but then from there we we got quite confident and some of that some of the football we played in the last 15 minutes was a real return to the one touch pass and move mm. um kind of stuff that, that we've not we've just not seen for a few months now
1: yeah i i totally agree with that let's take a break when we come back we'll talk about how the second half differed and whether it differed by design or or you know response from Hassan Huddle and and how we feel about that and what's coming up so we got all that coming up by the way i want to thank everyone who's joined us on the discord chat um the private chat over on the Patreon side. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I realize that ours uh, blog has launched one as well. So it was a lot of fun while it lasted and we appreciated you there while you were there. So that's fantastic news. Um, but we'll still be there. If you want to come chat with us amongst ourselves, It'd be like a text pod. Think of it that way. Like the teletext uh, uh, days. I,
2: I'll be over on the RS blog one.
1: Okay. So I will be, <laughs> I will be there shouting my thoughts into the void. In other words, it'll basically be Twitter then I guess. Um, in any event, we appreciate you guys, and, and thank you so much for, for signing up for that. And if you haven't, no big deal. We got lots of pods this week for everybody, so there's something for everyone. Um, in any event, we're going to take a break. We're going to sell you some sexy lingerie, quite exuberantly, because we're, we're thrilled about that. Some of you um, may have noticed that you're getting uh, Harry's Razor ads at, at various points during this um, podcast, and we, we appreciate them for being a part of it as well. We want you to know that while we love you, uh, our sponsors are like our children. There's there no favorite child. We we love them. We love them all. Uh, in any event, we'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Okay, everyone, it's time to tell you about our friends at Enclosed lingerie. You can find them online at the Enclosed the. E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D.com. Enclosed lingerie is a lingerie of the month club. That's right. Just like a beer of the month club, only better because it's a high-end luxury lingerie gift for you and your partner that's going to enhance the intimacy in your relationship. Right now, if you put in Arsenal at checkout, they're going to give you $35 off any gift from Enclosed Lingerie. So you're going to want to go to theenclosed.com and sign up now. What better way to celebrate the romance in your relationship than celebrating with a gift from The Enclosed, and the gifts keep coming every month. So while it can be difficult to remember to keep the romance, to keep the intimacy in your relationship, The Enclosed has your back. Every month you're going to get that high-end luxury lingerie gift, and it's going to remind you of the importance of romance in your relationship. So do it now. Go to theenclosed.com. There is a perfect fit guarantee, so you never have to worry about the fit. It's beautiful high-end luxury lingerie. Just go to theenclosed.com and enter promo code ARSENAL for $35 off at checkout. Do it now. Okay, we're back. Uh, Quick wrap-up now. Let's let's get into the, the speed round here and And Tim, uh, just one of the things that I think we should highlight is the differentiation between the first half and the second half and maybe some reasons for it. Um, So Arsenal are averaging the fewest shots of any of the teams in the top six. We averaged just over 12, 12. 12.4. Ironically, we actually had fewer than our season average shots in this game, 12. Yeah. Yeah. But we had 11 of them in the first half. So if you do math there are two halves so what you do is you multiply by two that'd be 22 shots if we're getting 22 shots off every game we're going to win the league let me just say that that's how that works Um, nobody does that we don't do that it's a shame because it'd be a lot of fun but that gets to my point which is I think we have come to accept that we're not a good defensive team That some of it is organization and coaching could be better but a big part of it is also personnel is the Mm. reason people enjoyed this performance and particularly the first half so much not because we were locked down defensively because we certainly weren't but just because Arsenal fans are willing to tolerate a bit of a clown card defensively if you're getting up the pitch and taking 11 shots and a half.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and look, at, let's kind of have it right. For the last couple of months, we haven't attacked or defended <laughs> well um, at all. So if you get one of those things right... Plenty of opportunity um, to improve, Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah you'll, you'll make people happy. And then if you, you know if you go long enough with only one of those things, right then yes, people will start to complain more about the other thing, but you know, you're starting from a fairly low bar. Um, and, and let's face it we're football fans, we'd, we'd, despite what we say and what might be in our better nature at times, we'd probably prefer to see us attack better. So um, yeah, absolutely. And 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 i think you know the second half was kind of interesting because i, I think we see this a lot under emery because once we were 2-0 up we kind of not stopped playing it's not quite that um it, it's not quite that simple but we definitely we we look to close the game down and and actually it has to be said we're quite good at doing it um, we've we've done it quite a few times now where you know you're inclined to we well I think we're all inclined to complain about ah uh, you know I'd, I'd love to have seen another half like that but actually you know one of the key complaints over the last few years is that you never felt like a game was over um, with Arsenal whereas with Emery's Arsenal at 2-0 um, you know I, I'm not sure with there yet in terms of oh yeah we we definitely think we've won this but i think we're kind of moving towards that we we are quite good at shutting these games out once uh, once we get our noses in front so uh during the second half so there is value to that it's not hugely exciting but um you know when you're in the business of results and points it's it's very valuable but yeah and and you know i i, I read the article last week about how few shots we take and why i think that is and i i don't necessarily i you know, said in the piece, I don't necessarily think it's a tactic not to shoot. It's just the build-up has been so stodgy and overly precise. And it's relied on players who are perhaps a little bit inconsistent and out of form. And, and, and that didn't happen um, against Southampton for any number of reasons. And, and that's why you've got, like, you know, inconsistent players like Iwobi. You've got a brilliant game from Iwobi. Mikatarian um, who I like more than most people, brilliant game out of Mikatarian very good game out of Licksteiner. Great
1: finish from Mkhitaryan too. I mean, that's what we've been yeah, missing, yeah. right? Someone in front of goal who's just another person yeah. other than Oberlaka who can Perfect take take a finish that com- composed. Yeah.
0: And and well, yeah, he's got five assists and two goals in his last eleven, I think. So that's that's decent. And he's um, after uh, a He's our most prolific shooter um, because he you know he's got two good feet and he's not afraid to have a go. So you know it's it's um, it's it's amazing once like the structure works you find the individuals tend to be okay and i i wonder if in our kind of analysis arsenal fans are, are getting very bogged down um in individuals and analyzing things through individuals and 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 that's probably because we can't really see anything on the pitch in terms of a structure and a philosophy but you know when when the structure's working the individuals are fine
1: yeah yeah i that's absolutely right and i mean the other thing about shots is You know, you might get more shots depending on your system. You know, I remember a few seasons ago, Spurs took tons of shots because what they did is they created turnovers and then they shot from wherever they got the ball. It was a shoot-on-site kind of policy. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're playing particularly well. It worked for them in that instance. But, like, I think because we play for crosses, crosses get completed at a relatively low rate. And if they are completed, they can lead to, you know, a cutback can lead to a very high XG chance but you're not going to complete a lot of cutbacks and so you may not create a lot of so, look you're not taking shots from the wing you know from from mm. you know deeper than the 18 yard box and on the wing you're not taking shots from there there's no shooting opportunity so it all comes down to whether you can complete a a cutback and that's not super easy to do and so our style I'm not sure is conducive to getting a lot of shots off but you know Paul I mean it's it's one shot in the second half I think a little misleading I think after Oba and, and Ozo came on the game got a little bit stretched. It opened up a little. Aubameyang tried to feed Lacazette. Aubameyang had a shot blocked. Ozil had a shot that he kind of just scuffed and, and missed. He didn't He didn't get a shot off. I mean, we had some chances to really hammer them in this game that we didn't take. I want to get your, your thoughts on the second half and um, whether you were frustrated by what you considered a, a defensive approach or whether you just thought it was sort of the natural flow of a game that we had fairly put to bed by halftime.
2: Yeah, it didn't feel like it. Defensive approach to me at all. I mean, you expected anybody who didn't expect a a more conservative second half. Um, I guess hasn't been watching football or at least Arsenal that much. I mean, I well, tweeted especially it from just, a team
1: that's got you know what two more games yeah. this week and three games in yep. ten days or whatever it is.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I tweeted at halftime. Note to self: uh, expect a, a don't expect this level of performance in the second half. But I still thought we were, uh, I wouldn't say we were out and out attacking, but we weren't defensive. Uh, that would have invited them on to us. Um, I just think we were more about, just a little bit more careful about maintaining the shape and exercising some control. And as you alluded to, we may not have had a lot of shots, but we had plenty of good chances. We could have uh, got what, it wouldn't have been unreasonable to score another two goals in that second half um i thought we did i thought we managed it pretty well and as you said uh we've got to pace ourselves uh, you can't be going you can't do what we did in the first 45 for 90 minutes three games in a row so you turn it on you get your goals it, a clean sheet as well is probably as important prefer winning 2-0 than 3-1 or 4-2 that just smacks of a lack of control which we don't really re- need right now even if we had our own vulnerabilities in the game. So, um, I mean, interesting on the subs uh, is they were kind of all driven by fitness or injury in terms of who came on. Obviously, uh, Ramsey was, his batteries were probably charging down. He was the one from a fitness standpoint. And it's kind of interesting who the subs were for. It was Ozil for Ramsey to allow us to maintain the shape and, You know, if we're going to see a lot of 4-2-3-1 from here on in, which might be a good sign because it probably means we're winning, um, you could see that combo for the number 10 spot uh, alternating from game to game, as as Tim talked about, with Lacazette and Aubameyang. And that was the original plan for Aubameyang coming on to take over from Lacazette, but it will be sprung a calf strain or something. Um, Hopefully he's fine. So... there were interesting subs, but if the pattern will be o- Ozil-Ramsey and Obama-Yang-Lacazette, I think I'll be okay with that going forward uh, in a four-two-three-one, one where each party's ideally playing 60-30, 70-20, depending on the game, depending on the fit, depending on who's in form, um, and generally keep this shape and structure.
1: Yeah, um, I want to just quickly stay with you, Paul. Really, really quickly. Uh, what what did you think of Suarez's performance this game?
2: You're a terrible man.
1: He he was awful. I, you almost I didn't even notice him on the pitch the whole game.
2: Look, look. You as we said before, you love playing whack a mole, but you only hit the one mole. And it used to be a wobie, but now he's playing too good for you. Now you're onto poor old Dennis Suarez, who's just working out where that fucking chicken place. Do you just in in london honestly
1: uh, just go back and delete all the tweets you made about dennis suarez our whole argument just delete it and take the l on this one
2: look i I think he'll come good
1: tim it's no that's not happening tim get my back no he
2: might dennis
1: dennis suarez in or out are you suarez in or you suarez out
0: um i'd have to i've seen seven minutes of him i clearly
1: know enough (laughs) to
0: to decide but uh, i i actually find it quite funny how um you know uh, not many people but a few people are like what this was a waste of time he's not playing i mean this is a guy we brought in on loan and we we didn't we didn't want an obligation to buy so i'd be quite worried if three weeks into his time at arsenal he'd become a really important player he's been brought in as a a short-term rotation i I, I gotta pull you up
1: on that so if he had 12 goals already you'd be quite worried
0: maybe not maybe not but if <laughs> okay. like i i think it would show a certain level of desperation if yeah, he was I, I like yes, an absolute lock i mean he's he's been brought in clearly because you know the manager wants those wide forwards he's only got two of them he wanted a third one and you know it makes a certain amount of sense to keep awobi and Mikatarian going they're both playing reasonably well at the moment they're both producing some end products um another assist for awobi um today uh, on sunday so you know, there's he's he's beginning to develop his end product. Um, Did he have a which an has always been a yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for Mkhitaryan, set up, of course, yeah. a mm-hmm. Mkhitaryan's yeah. goal, yeah. Um, w- yeah. Would you so, be
1: more concerned if I told you right now we o- what what if I told you a decision had already been made to retain Suarez for the 20 million?
0: Yeah, I'd 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 be I'd be more worried then. Um, because then we'd we'd really, uh, you know, albeit or, or you could say, well, this is like a settling in period, and next seasons where um, he really comes into it. Yeah, I, I'd be a bit more then. But I mean, I I understood the whole basis of the thing was the deal was dead, with the obligation to buy until Suarez pushed it, it's, it pushed it through himself by signing the contract. So, I I somehow doubt that that's the case. Because otherwise, why did the signing take so long? And all the information we have is that Arsenal absolutely didn't want that and they didn't want it with Perisic and they didn't want it with all their other options so um it w- it would it would surprise me if if it was there by the back door like why would that happen
1: yeah i mean that ma- that makes sense um okay well i don't know why i brought up Dennis suarez and just decided <laughs> to, to be petty about that, that because you. He, he played no part in that game but i felt like it was a stick i could beat uh, paul with and i just really wanted to beat paul um not not off that that's a different thing and I, I love you, Paul, but I don't want to do that.
2: Um, Bar us off. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, you know, whatever. Um, hey, Tim, are you encouraged that that both Ozil and Oba I thought had had pretty good cameos in this one? I mean, Ozil hasn't always thrived as a sub. I thought he came on, and, and you know, look, he he wasn't like the greatest player of all time, but he did Ozily things and Oba and got into a lot of good dangerous positions. I mean, I I think these are players we'd both like to see in good form. I think. I had started to worry that maybe Aubameyang's form was dipping a little bit. He looked really bright in the cameo. Were those encouraging cameos for you, or, or one or the other?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. In the uh, so, I thought individually, yeah, they they came on. They did some nice things. They did some good things. I, I do think Arsenal's um, Arsenal lost their structure a little bit when they came on, and you could kind of see why. You know, I said at the outset, I, I'm not sure that. Abamiyang and Urzil are Emery's guys per se because they don't really play to a structure and that's that's less of a problem for Abamiyang because he's up front and he just wants to bang goals in and that's fine with Ozil it's it's slightly more because he's slightly more involved uh, and and this is like this isn't a shot at either player like it's it's through no fault of their own they're, they're just both players that um play with a certain amount of freedom and play on their instincts and like to improvise and when that comes off that's brilliant and we saw that with the move where whereas does a lovely flick to a and yeah. he goes away and gets the cross and we nearly get the goal but i i do also think that it it went a little bit um you know our, our attack did go a little bit but at the same time there's obviously more of a context there because the game was kind of over and we were controlling it and you you know and the and the game was a little bit stretched and a little bit chaotic and Southampton made two changes at half time and actually one of a- one of the things that went in our favor was that one of the changes they made um, was Oberfemme had to go yeah, off again. Left to the hamstring, yep. Which D-
1: I did not yeah, want to see him running at top speed against our center back, so that was good.
0: <laughs> no, well, Lichstein already kind of had a muscle injury yeah. trying to keep up with him. So, you know, they, they went for him and they went for Charlie Austin, and that told you that they were going to go direct. And in fact, the first thing they did from kickoff was just plant the ball um behind Licksteiner and let Oberfemi run at him and I was actually quite glad to see him go off um and and that I think uh, affected the game state a little bit as well and Mustafi having to come on affected the game state so I think the game had been disrupted as well so when I say I think our structure went a little bit when we brought Ozil and Abamiang on. I you know, I don't think that's entirely down to them. There were other things going on and like I said, the the main thing was was the game state at that moment. So yeah, I was I was enthused enough, but at the same time I you know, I I, I I thought they giveth and took away.
1: They did indeed. Uh Paul, picking the last few bones out of this one, Mustafi moved over to fullback and you'll be shocked to hear that I did not think he was any better there. Uh, do you want to be the counsel for the defense?
2: Uh, well, what I would say is uh, I think a lot of people came away from this game uh, fully appreciating Mustafi as a center back now. <laughs> as, as compared to him as a full,
1: Well, yeah, this definitely puts that's to the bed right. the maybe we can hide him as a fullback. Maybe not, huh?
2: Yeah, that, that's been a popular uh, concept. Look, all right, I'll make the case. Look, it's it's just it's his first game. The poor fellow. You got to let him grow into it. But yeah, he was fucking terrible. But he was good at centre back on the ball. I love it. But anyway,
1: yeah, no, I I agree. All right, well, so I mean, I I think the football was fucking excellent this weekend. I mean, what can you say if you can't enjoy what happened this weekend? Then I know the fuck you're doing because we won and everybody else imploded and had a, a really shitty weekend of the of of the non Arsenal stuff, Paul. Um, and I'll actually say of the non-Kepa thing because the Kepa thing was next level fucking crazy what did you enjoy what, from a Schadenfreude perspective what uh, what did you enjoy the most?
2: Uh, there's a lot to choose from there's there There's a lot to choose uh, from There is uh, um, well like the most important th- I wish Liverpool or, or I wish uh, United had lost uh, I, I mean it's all very complicated Liverpool blah 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 uh, you know, depends on how much of a factor Liverpool supporters are to you, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we could have done, that was the only thing from a point standpoint, it uh, would have been nice to, uh, but on the plus side, they have all those injuries and, and that probably from the long term, that could be where the additional points come from. Um, uh, I guess it's got to be uh, Spurs getting stuff too well, and that was pretty yeah. sweet.
1: Yeah, yep. I think the image of Pacchettino raging at Mike Dean at full time is is one that every Arsenal fan can enjoy. Tim, for
0: you. Uh,
2: sh- I'll, I'll, yeah, that was, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim, a Freud moment for you. Um, so I didn't see the Spurs game because um, I was covering the women's game and I didn't see Liverpool United because obviously the Arsenal game was going on. So for, for me, it had to be the Carabao Cup final. I, I, I have to be honest, I think the Kepa thing's being slightly overplayed. Um You're such a killjoy, man. It was it's, fucking it's, hysterical. It, 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 oh, it is. Don't get me wrong. It's got, it's got a lot of um, soap opera uh, value. I, I don't think it's hugely important um but it, yeah it had great like um it was great it's great the, television the it wink way. after
1: it all settled <laughs> down right into the camera I, I mean i screenshotted that that's definitely going to be on my twitter
2: feed a oh few yeah times yeah this season. yeah
0: and you know all this they should sack him or one oh, of yeah. him or sorry has to go do you know what happens he's gonna play the next game and everyone's gonna forget about it that's what's gonna happen but Look, um, this is
1: short attention span theater but, make no make no mistake about it
0: but for for me, so I, I went to watch watch that game at the pub, and uh, a few of my mates were like, oh, "I think City are just going to cruise past them. I'm going to enjoy this kind of thing." And I said, oh, "I think City will win, but I don't think it will be that easy." And I kind of said at the beginning, "Do you know what would be even more funny if it went all the way to penalties and then Chelsea lost? Because you know, to have the hope and to be absolutely knackered." by playing Man City for 120 minutes. And, and that's how it turned out. And um, and then, like, so I left the pub the instant the penalty shootout was over because um, I live in South London. So I thought, right, I want to get on my train before the Chelsea fans get there. But um, because the rail system in the UK is profoundly broken, I had to wait over half an hour. And So just um, move somewhere like America at, where there at, is no rail system <laughs> at all. And I uh, had to, yeah, and, and then ended up on a, platform with loads of them which actually ended up being okay because they were all sad and miserable and nobody said anything racist so
2: yeah Yeah. america's cool though because you can like shoot your way onto the train (laughs) jesus christ
1: (laughs) i mean now i feel like i have to make a chelsea train racism joke but i just don't have (laughs) one at my fingertips without stealing uh heisenberg camps from twitter where after the Kepa thing. I'm just going to credit him because it's hilarious. He said, Chelsea fans haven't been this mad since they reintegrated the trains. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Um, okay, so l- let's just look forward super quick. Um, Paul, as far as lessons learned from the Southampton game, what it, what do you expect in terms of, of uh, Bournemouth? It's an away game. We've got Spurs at the weekend. We've got Wren after that. Um, both in terms of rotation and formation, what do you think he might do for the midweek
2: um, so it's going to. It, I, I take guess. it back. By the
1: way, it's a home game. Home game against Bournemouth. Yeah. If you so remember the I, first, I the first game against them was the one where he tested the back three for the first time, I think, and yeah. we did quite well. And it kind of became a thing from there. So it would be poetic if it, if it, if its final nail was against Bournemouth, and we we didn't use it against them this time.
2: Sure, but I I think you would be tempted to go four two three one whether we were playing them home or away. If we we're playing them away, they. Hopefully, come at us uh, in in Eddie Howe style. But obviously, they're playing at home, so I guess his gamble. We're playing at home, so I guess his gamble is uh, is Eddie and our the- Eddie and the boys going to want to sit deep against us, uh, which they're they're quite capable of doing. Um, I think Eddie will have watched uh, the game against Southampton and said, "Well, I'm not going to do that then," so. It's gonna be an interesting test. It'll be a different kind of a game, most likely. Uh, they usually are. Um so I It'll think definitely be against we'll, a different team. It'll be against a different team. Some of the names will be different. Mm-hmm. Uh some of the outcomes will be a d- bit different, even in the same kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. And I think we- we'll weather so might be different. Yeah. Different yeah, day.
1: Yeah. It'll be Wednesday instead of instead of Sunday. Um yeah, Tim Tim, do the, you have any do you have anything? Of any intellectual value to add, please. Um,
0: Do do I ever? Uh, (laughs) Yes, of course. Uh, No, I mean, do
1: do you do you expect a a rotation policy now? And and I mean, but but stick with the same system. How do you see him going?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. He kind of said that, didn't he, after the game? He said something about um, we'll place s- players in some games and players in other. I-, I think that's what he was getting at. It was like, look, we'll have pretty much the same system, maybe two or three, you know, some light rotation. But, yeah, we might see, you know, Monreal, for example. We might see Genduzi again. We might see a Bamiang start. But I don't see any, like, profound changes to the system.
1: I mean, it is one of those tricky things, right? Y- you finally click in a way that you haven't clicked for a bit against Southampton will he be the kind of sort of superstitious manager who doesn't trust it to work if he changes it and try to run out the same 11 you know just 3 days later do do you think there's a risk of that that he'll say I better not mess with this cuz it worked no.
0: no 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 so given his comments after the game I I think I think he, there'll be some light rotation
1: okay so the last question then how are you feeling about top 4 right now i mean United have injuries, and we've pulled ahead of them. Chelsea seem to be imploding at some level. We're ahead of them. I don't think Spurs can be caught. I'm sure there's some people listening saying, of course they can, never give up hope, never give up hope. It's the hope that kills you, friends. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I saw one statistical analysis today that had us as the favorites. Now, by favorites, I don't mean over 50%, but of us, Chelsea and United, we were slight Mm -hmm. favorites among them. How are you feeling about top four right now?
0: Yeah, we're... we're very much in the conversation and that's um that's that that's that's probably the best we could have hoped for i think at this stage so um yeah i I, you know i basically i I don't know which way it's going to go i suspect united might just have i i think that game against united on march the 10th might might end up telling us a lot um actually I i think it could come down to what happens in that game um, I I do think they've probably got the momentum at this stage, and Solskjaer not being Mourinho might just carry them over the line for the next mm. couple of months. But you know they've they've got a lot of injuries. We we've, we've probably got the better run in. Yeah, they have um, the tougher three pictures. teams, mm-hmm. and if Chelsea stick with Sari for much longer, you know, it, it's very up and down under him at the moment because um, they might get the new manager bounce and they they might they might chuck him and they might go with Zola and Chelsea might get exactly the same thing that, that uh, United have had under Solskjaer. So, wait, so wait. it's.
1: I want to make sure I, g- I understand this correctly. You're saying we should sack Emery so we too can get a new manager bounce and finish fourth.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 why not? Gosh, that, that, Tim, that, that's, that's aggressive, that, but okay. What well, about timing? that's what teams do to try and avoid relegation don't they maybe that will start happening in the top four race everyone will just wait till February sack the manager and just get like an old club legend in to give everyone like a bit of a feel good factor for a couple of months Tony Adams carrying us to fourth I
1: see it now yeah Um, yeah, maybe not Uh, hey do you guys want me to end with a little factoid that'll piss you and all the listeners off
0: yeah go for it Wren
1: requested a postponement of their league match to prepare for Arsenal and it was granted their league match was postponed just so they could have more time to prepare for a Europa League tie. Can you imagine the Premier League? Like, they'd be like, uh, yeah, we'll postpone it to Monday instead of Sunday. Now you can play on Monday. I mean, that well, is
2: outrageous. They just, they just have to directly contact the four people who watch Ren on TV. So oh, it's shots
1: thing. fired. Shots fired. He's pausing in my pants. Thanks, Paul, Steve thanks for joining you us. You can find him on Twitter. Pausing in my pants. Thanks, Pause. Woohoo. Tim's on Twitter. Stuberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Credit to the Discord chat for uh, pointing me towards that Ren story, which is quite outrageous. My name's Ellie Smith, you can blackman Twitter, at Yankee Gunner give us five star review. Write nasty things about Clive. Don't. He's very sensitive. Don't do that. That's very mean. Write nasty things about Scott. He's he deserves it. In any event, we uh we are excited. We got so much. Good stuff coming up. A lot of good football. I cannot wait till the weekend when we smash Spurs away and then smash Wren, finish top four, win the Europa League. All good things, friends. All good things. And it starts when we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. News.